we've got a little map which shows folks where Burundi is, and you lead the work of Rama. So, uh, so Burundi, how big is Burundi, roughly? Uh, Burundi is um, 27,000 square kilometers. 27,000 square, that means nothing. So About an <laughs> <laughs> But it has got many people. Yeah. Uh, we're over uh, above uh, 13 million people. 13 million people. Yeah. So is 27, is that bigger or smaller to say than England? And in jog. Size of Wales. Yeah. I've got into trouble before about commenting on Wales, so I'm going to be very careful. <laughs> the size of Wales with 13 million people, yeah. which is a lot more than Wales. Mm -hmm. So, so a, a, a lot of folks. And, 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 and 90 of those living out of agriculture. So having to cultivate the land. To to, right, right. Mm -hmm. So over the years, your country has experienced a, a, an awful lot of, of difficulties. Uh, and um, just, uh, and so you're involved in the work of Rama. But just tell us a little bit about your story and the story of how that entwines with the nation and how that's affected you mm -hmm. and the nation. Yeah, just maybe to, to be quick, just I would like to say that my father was born um, around in the 50s. Don't ask me which year, because we don't know. Um, he doesn't know neither. Uh, uh, but um, before he got married, there was war. So he grew up um, with insecurity and troubles around um, independence. And it culminated with a civil war in, in the early 70s. And the civil war uh, made him actually drop out of school. And he got married in 73 and I was born a year later, in 74. Um, I grew up in, those, um, in, a, in, a, in a very tense situation uh, with a lot of intertribal and intratribal um, uh, conflict and wars uh, of, the, of the extent of genocides, actually, at some point. In 93, let me just explain the word genocide for some folks. We're talking about mass murder. Exactly. Of a, uh, just because of, of the, the tribal race. Mm -hmm. and, yes. And, uh, An attempt to, 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 to actually kill everybody that you judge comes from the wrong tribe or the wrong people group. Roughly how many people were killed in that period? Um, Nobody knows, but it is actually written in some books that 10% of the whole population of Burundi was killed around that time. Over a million. 70, yes. And um, uh, in, when I grew up, so my father did not manage to study and finish his education because of war. And when I was studying, I was in a secondary school in 93. I was also forced to drop out of school because there was another massive war 
that lasted for decades. Um, by God's grace, as I'm going to probably come back to it, I managed to study because of people who believed in me, even when I was a refugee and who wanted to invest in my education. And on that line of investors in my uh, life were some folks from this country. And this is how I ended up actually coming to study here. Mm. Now, the extent to which I want to show you how long the conflict in Burundi has lasted is that now I have a daughter, my uh, 18 years old daughter, who wants now to go to university, was born in exile, and we still have the conflict going on. Clearly, three generations from my father to me to my daughter, all of us living in a country where we have to hear guns, grenades, where people have to leave the country and go to other countries, where we get married and have children in foreign countries, not because we are um, working there, but because we cannot live safely in our country. And as I talk, over 300 thousand Burundians are still refugees all over the world. So you, you work amongst folks who've been displaced, amongst refugees who've been displaced in the country or outside the country coming back. It's not just war. What else has caused the displacement? Of recent, uh, in addition to war, displacement has been caused by environmental degradation which is coupled up with some criminal act of corruption that go into corrupt land governance, which make it worse uh, when there is uh, situations of flooding uh, in a city which is not well planned, where people have been uh, given plots to live in wet places that are not supposed to have people, and where uh, water um, and, and where city planning authorities have, out of corruption, made many uh, crimes and, and then uh, could not plan well the city. And this makes it very difficult. So every year in Burundi, about 100,000 people are uh, uh, permanently or for a short time displaced as a result of flooding or, or, or as a result um, uh, of, of um, landslides, you know, land, mountains. Mountains slipping. Yeah, slipping away and covering houses. We are very mountainous country. We are called a country with a thousand hills. So this means we are prone to land sliding. And how does, so just explain that the you experience climate change that causes more excessive rains and more excessive dryness, which causes the mountains to slip. Is that right? Is that, is that the Yeah, that's right. Or, or the rivers to cover land and flooding, a lot of flooding, right. and 
mostly the city of Bujumbura lies right ahead, right in front of uh, uh, Lake Tanganyika, which overflows and has been claiming land actually over the years and displacing people. And the water that comes out of the mountains, we have, we have so many rivers, they actually be out of, because of deforestation and because of too many people having to live out of that land, there aren't trees to hold water so that then the intensity of water from the mountains would come and then sweep away whatever uh, on, on its way, including then people and housing. And, the, and, and this is all exacerbated by, by corruption, by leaders, and you had an election that was potentially corrupt, or you had a president that refused to, to, to move, and then you had, tell us about the sanctions, what happened there, and how did that affect you? Yeah, um, so in 2015, this is eight years ago, uh, there was a political crisis, and actually this is like the recent context in which we work with uh, the then president, uh, explained that he did have uh, the right to run for a third term, which he technically called a second term, because um, the first term did not count, according to him. And um, it seems as if people know such like stories, mm. or have heard of stories that are like that. Uh, but I don't want to judge whether this was true or whether this was uh, not true. What is true was that this led to a political fallout and a big crisis. And as a result, close to 500,000 people were displaced all over the world, really, but generally in the neighboring countries but also then the Western countries that have been giving uh, about 50% uh, in aid and support to the national budget imposed economic sanctions in, with the aim of punishing the politicians. Unfortunately, I personally did not believe that the sanctions punished the politicians they instead punished us. Yeah, so they because punished the people and the politicians. And the politicians, they will always get away with them. When the roads are not made, they can buy big cars. And when there is no medicine in hospitals, they can very easily uh, airlift their families to neighboring countries where there is healthcare. And when there is no food or when it is too expensive, they can match up that price and, and buy it. Uh, but uh, Burundians, the population from 2015 up to today have had the same salary and was never increased. And when they have been uh, uh, devaluation of Burundi franc, which is unparalleled, just to give an example, before 2015, the Burundi franc was we were, you needed 1,200 or roughly there uh, to get a dollar. 
But today, a dollar is going up to 4,500. So just in eight uh, years, uh, the dollar has come from 1,200 to 4,500. So what that means, you see, the average Burundian's income is the same, but what you can buy with that, and particularly food, is colossally more expensive. And we're uh, here, we talk about inflation, but what you're talking about is that the price to buy food for the nation is horrendous. Yes, and the inflation, obviously, that's, 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 that's one side, but the inflation, of, especially of food, has been particularly very high. And this was not just because of the sanctions, but three years later, in 2018, 2019, sorry, four years later, there was the COVID-19. Yeah. As you all know, a country like Burundi, uh, that is landlocked, that was already fragile, and that had been already hard hit by the economic sanctions, for, and that has been having wars, and that was not stable, for at least three generations, as I have explained, you can imagine what impact COVID had on the economy. And yet, uh, even before we were through it, we could, could come to terms with the economic impact of COVID. There was, um, as you know, the Ukrainian war. The Ukrainian war seems to have happened in another continent but it affected the economies of very poor countries, especially that the oil prices went, went up, uh, the cereal prices changed and went up, as well as um, the fertilizers that went up. So this actually hammered properly the nail, and Burundians are at um, a very difficult situation, and this is actually um, the context in which mm. we are serving as Rema. So, I mean, it's just unbelievable the, the number of things that, that, that have gone on and, and that affect your nation. Uh, just very briefly then, what do you do? What, is your, what does Rema do? What are you, uh, how is your ministry? What, what do you do in this situation? Uh, basically, Rema, we work with people in forced displacement position. Um, even if there have been multiple displacement of people, there have been multiple occasions when people could come back for some years. So we've been supporting returnees to be able to recover land and property because when they were away, many of them had their property and land taken away not only by politicians or other people who are close to the government, but also even with their family members. Because as we've heard, it's a country that relies uh, very much on land, but which has got so many people. One in three Burundians does not have land, whereas those who have got land have half a hectare, I don't know whether it makes sense in this culture, half I have a, no idea what a hectare 50 is. meters over 100 50 meters. meters. 
okay? That has to feed at least eight people because one woman in Burundi has at least 6.2 children. And so you understand the pressure that is on land and the land grabbing uh, in that context. So we've been helping refugees who are coming back to, to recover their land by bringing the court to them because um, they cannot be able to go to Bujumbura where the court is based or by giving, giving them legal aid or helping them to have a dialogue to agree on how to share the piece of land that they have. Matthew, remember that those who uh, left in the 70s as refugees and, um, and then their land was taken away, they have now to deal with children of those who might have grabbed that land. And those children probably have no clue what their father did and probably their father sold out the land. And so it's not just an idea of taking land out of the current owners and giving it to the original owners. It's a matter of thinking, where do I put them if I remove them from the land uh, which they have? Uh, we also give health care. Uh, a number of you have been, have been coming actually to a clinic where we have been offering health care to returnees who are coming, as well as uh, clean water. Um, and not only returnees, but the whole, the whole community in returning zones. We have been also supporting families that have been affected by floods and that has been affected by war to rebuild their lives by giving them loans so that they can start business. Some of them, even if they come, they, they have no land to claim. And their only way to live is actually to be able to at least uh, get some alternative businesses that they do. And so this is what we try, we try to do. And finally, we've been building capacities of associations, of cooperatives, to be able to organize themselves and have access to alternative fundings, whether in banks or other microfinance institutions. And we've been mostly building the capacities of church leaders. We work with local churches from different denominations so that those local churches can be given the, the, can be given the capacity to, to resolve uh, some of the, 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 the problems where, and the conflict. Just imagine I was, I, I was talking uh, a few minutes ago, you were having uh, a church and half the members have got their land taken and their houses taken by half of the members in that same church. So, so this side of the church are living in these people's houses. Yeah. And cultivating their land. And cultivating their land. So these, this side of the church have lost their income, they've lost their food, they've lost their house. Yeah. And you're sitting in the same church mm -hmm. and you're going to share communion with them? You, yes, exactly. And you have to share from the Lord's uh, table. So what do you say? It becomes absolutely challenging and essential 
for pastors to be involved in conflict management and conflict resolution. So when we are training them, it's not all about just reading the Bible and preaching a good sermon. It's all about also listening to A and B who have to, to deal with each other because somebody has taken away my house and they are living in my house and I'm living outside. I can't get a house because my brother, my neighbor has taken away my land, my house. So those are the kind of things that we do always and we have to keep moving. Wow. So I was going to say, this is some pictures with Sally, and we'll hear from Sally in a moment or two. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it looks beautiful. It, it is, is beautiful. beautiful, Burundi. By the way, that's one thing which should be said. It's very beautiful. And because it is very beautiful, everybody wants to be there, and everybody wants to have everything, grab everything. And I think, actually, uh, we have rain, uh, a lot of rain, a lot of water. We have minerals, uh, a lot of it actually. It's, a pro it's, it's actually a continuation of Congo. So uh, I tend to say that whatever was in Congo did not just stop at the border. Yeah. It continued to Burundi as well. So would, it, would it be fair to say without the, the wars, without the corruption, the nation would be a lot better because the climate change is affected by the corruption and the wars and people being displaced. It, it, a lot of it is compounded yes, by exactly. the different things. We are having a governance crisis that has lasted for decades, years after years. And actually, well, the natural resources that were supposed to be our, our blessing have turned to be actually the very causes of problems themselves. So I've got questions piling in, so let, let's go here. So one of the things you said to me outside earlier was that I asked you whether you were worried about a coup, about a civil war again, and you said something like, when you're worrying about whether you've got enough food today, you don't worry about a war tomorrow. Exactly. Okay. So someone has said this, asked this question, how do you you find peace in this? How do you, how does your faith deal with this level of exactly. difficulty? I think the best way is actually to give a small testimony of myself. Mm. I was, as I told you, uh, affected by war when I was still very young. I grew up in it and until I had to become a refugee when I was only 19 years old. And um, when I was in the refugee camp, and I was struggling, and I was hungry, we were sick, we didn't not have help, I sat down and I started complaining to God, just like anybody else would complain to God. We called ourselves sacrificed generation. And, uh, and so I complained, and I was kind of like, saying, where are all these churches? Where are all these Christians? Why can't they come and actually to our rescue and help us? And so I remember God clearly telling me, go and help them. You can't imagine God is challenging to help my fellow refugees and they have nothing. 
Now, this is like, like, like very, very difficult when you think about it, but the Lord enabled me step out of step, first of all, to forgive. For, forgiving is, is the most, I'm living with hate and the frustrations is what kills us and blocks us from seeing the opportunities that are around us. One, I believe you don't need to help everybody who needs help, but you can help one person at a go. Somebody believed in me, helped me, built my face, put a face, sorry, uh, sorry I'll um, uh, put uh, um, a smile at my face, and I was able to do the same to others. So help, assistance, and solidarity is, is highly infectious. We all get infected by that good thing that others have done to us. And, and, and being happy and having possession are two different things. We find happiness in the Lord. And this is why, um, I, I, you know, there is a verse maybe um, that I would like to share from, um, that has been really helping me from Matthew 11, uh, 28. I'm not going to read the whole of it because you know it. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. So there is a way in which you can find rest in the midst of problems so long as you've given your heart to Jesus. Jesus is able to calm everything. When he comes to this, uh, you know, this waterfall of tabulations and he says, peace be with you. Peace really does come to us. And um, we get all this um, uh, uh, power to keep moving from the scripture. Uh, in our, on our uh, paper head uh, read, uh, from Rema, we have uh, verses from Isaiah 1, uh, 40, sorry, Isaiah 40, verse 1, and Isaiah 1, verse 17. It says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Learn to do right. Seek justice, encourage the oppressed, defend the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. This has given me all the power which I needed to do it and be happy. Happiness is a choice. We need to choose to be happy in the Lord. And actually, you don't need to have a lot, and you don't need to be... Uh, a world successful, renowned campaigner. No. You can take the hand of just one person and help them through. At one point, I needed just a meal, and somebody gave, a, gave me a meal, and I never saw them again. But that meal pushed me for another day to be able to meet somebody who paid for my school fees. And maybe that person never found a job to me, for me, and they went. But on my trajectory of life, 
I met somebody else who probably said, I will pay half your salary for five years. And, and the Lord has designed it that way that we need one another, that we can support one another. And of course, as a result of somebody who trusted in me, I have been able to help uh, many people in Burundi. We are having the clinic. We have two babies every day, 60 babies a week. We have 3,000 a month of people who come through our clinic. Uh, we are having all sorts of uh, 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 all sorts of health issues that we deal with. We have given a lot of water, together with other people, clean water to people who would never have got it. And we are having over 260 families and groups that, are, that have received uh, a loan from REMA to do their businesses. And probably um, we will get more and more. So um, when you start thinking I will do it all, then you are not going to do anything, but just hold the hands of one person. One person. Encourage them one day and put a smile on them. And that act is infectious. Brilliant. They will be infected by it. Brilliant. Happiness is a choice. That's remarkable. Just, just unpack a little bit more for us. For folks here who struggle to forgive someone, or for folks here who feel they've lost hope, what kind of things do you say, would you say to someone who either is struggling with anger and resentment or is struggling with a feeling of hopelessness? What, what kind of things do you say back home? What would you say to us? Jesus on the cross. And that's the image that liberated me personally. He had all the reasons to be angry. The same guys he had been feeding were hammering nails in, and hailing at him and, and applauding the soldiers that were uh, actually putting him on the cross and killing him on the cross. He would have, he had, I believe, two choices. He could have said, hell, go to hell and he would, ha he would have cast everybody. But he chose to forgive. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. They don't understand what they are doing. I believe forgiveness, me personally, and by the way, uh, this, this is just became part of me. Even my, studied, my studies ended up going in the direction of peace building and trying to understand what forgiveness and what peace, the dividend of peace, of bringing peace at, um, at, at, at interpersonal level or at community level or in a country, there is a lot of dividend. The former, a former prime minister in um, uh, Ethiopia said, uh, and he had been struggling with the whole issue of forgiving those who had harmed him. And he said, actually not forgiving is like drinking poison and hoping that it will kill the other. You, ki you drink it, 
and you hope the other guy who had harmed you will die of that person. Mm -hmm. If anything, it kills you further. So I think it's a choice, but it's a choice which nobody can make if you are not helped and supported by the word of God. And Jesus is there for that. Actually, he has said, come to me. It's, it's, it's as simple as that, to go to the Lord and you tell him, help me to forgive. Mm. And it is as complicated as that. If you want to do it alone, on your own, and think that you will manage. No, we are created in an image and we are in such a way that we cannot do it. But Jesus can do it in us. And he did it to me. I, we, we had got all the reasons to hate. Because we lost everything. We lost our friends. We were chased away from the country. Our land was taken. We couldn't study again. But then the Lord taught us himself that the way out was to forgive. And these things came. So the education came at, at the right time when Jesus, at the designated time. And Jesus has got in his store all we need to live a happy life in him. Fantastic. Thank you. How can we help and pray for you? Pray for the team, pray for Burundi to be transformed. We need good leaders and pray for the current leaders so that they may have the right vision for the country and so that they may have the strength to carry out that transformational vision. Do you ever they say about it today? The president is saying he's committed to have things changed. But somehow, there is something, some power somewhere which holds um, the powers in the leadership positions not to operate that change. So we need the power of God. Some um, people here might feel, well, does prayer make any difference? I mean, do, do you think, do you see people in your country say, well, what, what difference does prayer make? How would you answer that? What difference does it make for people to pray? Prayers actually change everything. Now, Burundians, to start with, anyway, are very religious, by the way. It, this is probably the irony of things, that we all go to church. Uh, but, but I do believe that prayers change everything. Now, again, probably if I give a small testimony. At one point, when we were running away, we reached somewhere, and people wanted to kill us. We were six of us. And they have written, all this is written in a book which most of you know, which was written about me. You can read it for yourself. We reached somewhere, someplace, and we were surrounded by guys who wanted to kill us. They had got machetes and everything. And we were obviously unable to save ourselves. We couldn't run away. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't escape. These people had killed other people before us. It wasn't like they were trying to, to scare us. As we lay down, 
I prayed and said, God, please, can you save us? I must say, I don't think I had a lot of faith myself. I did not see how God can do it. And I think because we are limited, we tend to limit God. And we think God can't do it. It's too difficult for him. And that was my feeling. I'm being honest with you. It wasn't that I had a lot of faith, but I nevertheless prayed. A few minutes later, like two or three, these guys were sharpening the pangas. They wanted to chop off our head. And helicopter came, a Nami helicopter from nowhere. And everybody ran away to hide the killers. And we remained lying, facing down, uh, head, you know, front down, uh, on the ground, on our own. And I had a voice in my heart telling me, but I have saved you. You know, sometimes that God saves you, you don't even believe he has saved you. <laughs> because it's too difficult, it's too complicated. That was how simple the Lord saved us. He commanded an army mission around and came to us that area. Guys ran away and we took off and that's how we got saved. People who came after us were killed, by the way. So, so, so God hears prayers. Sometimes he acts miraculously, like in that cases. Sometimes he acts through our knowledge and the things that we know and our power and our friends through solidarity and love from our other friends and neighbors and people that we go to church with to answer those. But God does answer prayers. Otherwise, how else could we, some of us have been here, our background was against us coming here. I went to, to do uh, the English examination test, which we have to do to come to universities here. I don't come from an English-speaking country. Mm. That, that Cambridge thing, that Cambridge examination is not very easy for some of us. Probably some English people could fail as well. I <laughs> no, guess I'd that grammar. Definitely. And I went to do it. And I looked at it, I listened to it, I wasn't getting it. I prayed, God, if you want me to be to England and to study, this is the only chance I'm having. There's no other way I'm going to do If it is you, please help me to do this test. And good enough, it was multiple choice. Is it A, this, B, this, C, this, D, this? And they went, okay, this is A, this is C, this is C, B. You just prayed and put of A, course B, C, I fin- or D. I, Yes. Of course I finished number one. <laughs> because I had nothing to wait for or to think about. And when the result came, I had seven out of ten. And the university needed 6.5. And they said, your English is wonderful. Please do come. <laughs> I did not have English at all to, to, that could have made me... Uh, get seven, but I prayed. Now, it sounds like corruption at some point, but, <laughs> but it's up to God, and he does it. And I went to look for visa so that I could come here. And this lady in front of me asked, Theo, you forgot to give me some papers. Where are your bank statements? 
these are very important documents which we need to decide the weather. Those days they gave an interview. Nowadays they are no longer giving interview. And I told her, I have never owned a bank account. I'm a refugee. I have, never, I have no money, no bank account. I don't even know that language. And he asked me, how on earth and, and would we give you a visa? This means you will never come back. And I told her, no, 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 I'm a Christian. I will come back. Believe me. All those other guys can cheat you. But me, I won't cheat you. When I finish my education, I will go back, even if I was a refugee. And she, she looked at me. I don't know whether she was Christian or whatever, but she said, do you know what? I trust you. I will give you the visa. And she gave me the visa. So prayers, it's, 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 it, some of us, we don't know how to behave without prayers. We don't know, many Burundians don't know how to eat if they haven't prayed for God to provide. Eating, waking up, sleeping, studying, getting a job is a miracle that comes after prayer. And, 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 and this actually uh, makes us grow in God, in, in relationship with God. It brings God closer to us and he becomes real. So pray for us. And we don't mean pray for us as a way of saying, uh, pray and give us money. No. Yes, give us money. If you, you can give us money. But, but genuinely speaking, if you don't have that money, you have other commitment, prayers can change things. Prayers can change things. And I will, will sometimes say COVID-19. If in Burundi, COVID came and the way it came in some other countries, so we did not have hospitals, we did not have medicines, we did not have a breathing, supporting machines. Where would we be? The only thing we had was to pray. God protect us somehow. Even you guys, you had vaccines. When you were at, at vaccinating the, the, the under 40, you know, the younger ones, mm. we had not even, even got one single dose in Burundi. We couldn't buy vaccines, and we trusted that somehow America at one point gave us vaccines. So too, too late, mm. if we were to die, we would have died. But, but really, prayers do change things. And I'm sure here prayers change things too. Nobody thought we would be sitting here looking at each other and greeting each other and sh shaking hands two, three years back. It is because of prayers. So I believe in prayers. I firmly believe in prayers changing things. Brilliant. Well, let's do that. I'm going to invite Sally to come and pray. Now, Sally is part of our church, but also is part of Rhema, and folks want to know more about supporting. So come and, uh, and grab a microphone for us, uh, and so folks can talk to you. Also, details of how to get your book. Perhaps Sally can let people know how to do that. Um, but before Emily comes back to lead us in the final song, I'm going to ask Sally... Yeah, just come and come and come and stand over here with us, and uh, do talk to Sally not only tonight but on other nights if you want to know more about getting involved with Rama. But but pray for us now. 
I think we've heard a lot, and we know that prayer changes things, so let's pray. Yeah. Dear loving Father, we just thank you for the opportunity for, um, for Theo and Christine to come and share with us. We know a lot of prayer went into them getting the visas to come, and we thank you for that, and that we've been able to share and hear so much tonight. But we do pray, Lord, for that country of Burundi, with its needs that are so great in so many ways. Father, we pray your blessing on Burundi. We pray for the leadership. We pray for the government. Lord, that their hearts might be changed, that they look to serve the country and the people there, and that the world might again give, give aid and help um, to, it, to meet these needs. And Father, we thank you for Burundi and the people, the lovely, friendly people who I meet and stay with. And Father, we pray for Rema. We pray for Theo as he leads that organization, that you will give him tremendous wisdom uh, in his leadership. And as he reaches out to other people and develops the different programs that they are doing, we pray for all the staff that in Bujumbura and those at the clinic at Niambuye. And uh, Father, that you will continue to provide for them, provide the resources they need. Uh, physical resources, money, other resources, uh, mental, mental strength to cope with the different situations. And we pray for their families, Lord. We pray for Theo and Christine's family and the four children at home. Pray that you will keep them, keep them safe, and look after them and provide for them. And Father, we just pray, as Theo said, if you can help one person and do one thing, you will just lay on our hearts what it is you want us to do. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you are our provider and that you hear all our prayers in your name. Amen. Um, brilliant. Yes, if anybody wants to know more uh, about Rema, about what Theo is doing, please get in touch with me. Uh, we've, had the, we've got a charity this end supporting them, and it's been going for 17 years now, and I know quite a few people know. And Theo's book, I don't think you mentioned the name, My Country Wept. I know quite a few people read that. And if anybody, about his testimony of when he was a refugee, and I have got a few copies. Uh, I haven't got them here tonight, but I can bring them next week. Thanks so much. Thanks, Donald. One final thing, Theo. We've got a gentleman in our church who makes these little crosses, and we have one on our platform. And uh, he would like uh, to give this to you from our church to you yeah. to take back to Burundi. It's uh, a gift from, from him and from, from the church, uh, which has been made for you. It was made out of the old doors. Wow. Uh, wow. People are still Thank a bit iffy so about much. the doors having gone, so we won't talk too much about it. But it was made out of the old doors. Beautiful. So that's Thank you so much. for you to take back with, with, with Christine. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, Emily to come and join us. I'm going to get rid of all my phones. We couldn't answer, uh, ask everybody's questions, but thank you ever so much for uh, asking us questions. Bless you. Thank you so much.